creativelyanddeliberately.com, a podcast where we will discuss how to creatively and deliberately make choices that give life meaning. I am your host, Annette Hansen. This podcast will be where I creatively express myself. You know, expressing myself has always been important to me. And yet, I've been my biggest critic of what I say. Why is that? Today, we'll talk about the critic. In this episode, I'm going raw. This is my raw truth about my self-critic. Raw is good, right? In a healthy sense. And since we're talking about raw, let's talk about cows. Here's a bit of history about myself. I work part-time at a historical farm where I've been able to educate elementary children about life as a farmer. You know, even though I wasn't raised on a farm, I have loved gaining the knowledge of that life. I don't want to be a farmer, but I now appreciate what they do. Did you know cows are considered to be ruminant animals? That means they chew their cud over and over, like about 60 times a day, all in an effort to take care of the raw substance they put in their bodies. Well, I found myself ruminating and chewing on unhealthy thoughts that weren't going to feed my soul with any nutrient that would bring health. Now here's the paradox. Thoughts can create our health, but only the empowering ones bring us well-being. The destructive ones will do just the opposite. However, when I realized I was acting like a cow with my negative thoughts, I had to consciously choose to stop chewing my own cud. What image comes to your mind when you think of cud? Yuck, right? What I was ruminating about mentally was much worse. Thinking through life's problems isn't unhealthy unless you allow it to snowball into a full-blown crisis. I'll show you how this happened for me. I'm an indie author. When my first book came out, I had a few issues with formatting and editing that threw me for a loop. Actually, it was more like they slammed me up against a wall going 80 miles per hour while I was chewing gum. Needless to say, I had third degree bruises. Yes, that's a real thing. And I choked hard. It felt humiliating. Writing takes so much out of you. But I don't write novels just for them to sit in my computer. What's the fun in that? I want them read. Even though I was anxious for the opportunity to share my fictional story with the world, I quickly crumbled into a ball when my book launch didn't turn out how I had hoped. Even though it was my first attempt, I thought I was ruined because of the flaws. This embarrassing mistake could have been left clean by thinking, no big deal, I have innocent mistakes, ticks, and I'll do that right away. I could have processed my try and fail more effectively if I came from a rational place, one that views fail as the acronym for first attempt in learning. The best teacher for learning is doing that which you're trying to learn, and nothing you experience is wasted. I should have been celebrating that I had written and completed an exciting World War II mystery, which was fun to write, but I didn't. The ironic part of the whole experience is that try and fails are necessary in telling a good fiction story. Sadly, I came from an irrational place, regurgitating to myself self-sabotaging lines of failure. If I would have controlled my mind, I could have said things like, 
I'm new at this and I did the best I could with the knowledge I had. Or I could have said, now I know what to do before a launch. A fell up, as you might say. Fell ups are when you take what you've learned to help you improve the next time. The project has already been fixed and it wasn't as difficult to solve the problem as I had originally thought. But it all felt hard, even impossible, when I was going through it because I was functioning from a state of fear. Anytime you function from fear, you don't show up as your better self. I dirtied up the experience by making it personal. I told myself I'm not good enough and I'll never measure up. I slipped into a state of all is lost and I'm permanently flawed. Rejection and failure had to be my middle name for sure. Then to make things worse, I asked, why would I think I could write? I discounted all the years of learning the craft. I knew how to write, but I let this one event override everything. In the negative self-talk world, and it's a world because all humans do it, there's a process called magnification where you blow things out of proportion. Or in my mother's words, I made a mountain out of a molehill. I continued to ask self-defeating questions like, why was I so dumb? Needless to say, I ended up with hives over the whole thing for months because I couldn't let it go. And this negative self-talk trickled down into other areas of my life. And yet all I needed to do was control my thoughts and feelings. I am not a cow. I don't need to chew my cud. Another mistake I repeatedly made that I'm now trying to correct was by asking myself all the wrong questions. When we slip into self-talk, we need to ask ourselves questions that empower us. Did you know the brain is programmed to answer our questions? It's kind of like an Alexa who waits for our command. But instead of just saying, sorry, I don't know that, when a mysterious question pops up, our brains will search our mental programs as well as our memories, experiences, and set beliefs. And then it will compare it with our survival needs to give us an answer. The answer that we get might not serve us, but it will be an answer. I don't know which is best, having a faulty answer or being told I don't know. If we want high quality answers, we need to ask ourselves high quality questions. And those quality questions are not going to come about if we use why. Why questions trap us. Any form of why me isn't going to lead to a solution to our problems. In this raw situation that I have shared, I could have asked myself, am I overreacting and jumping to unrealistic conclusions? I acted like this mistake was life-threatening, which as a worrier, it is easy to do. We worriers assume stuff like the worst case scenarios. I've learned that whatever I produce in life doesn't take away my worth. So whenever an unfortunate event happens, my value is not affected. Pain in life happens. In fact, it's a guarantee. But prolonged pain is optional. Is there room for improvement? Yes, there's always room for improvement in everything, in professions, in products, with people, and of course with myself. That's why the phrase, I did my best with what I knew should be memorized. Aren't we all just doing the best with what we know? Learning how to control our thoughts will bring us health and well-being. 
But first, having an awareness of all the many reasons our minds come up with the information it does will help us decipher what is valid and what needs to be worked on. You have to take into account that your thoughts are just a product of your programming, an Alexa, if you will. Actually, I named that part of myself Hattie, my assistant, many thoughts will come from your survival mode setting. It will try to keep you safe. Security is a basic programmed need. Thanking your brain for this intuitive skill helps. Your body is just serving you the best it knows how, and we tend to take it personal at times. When we hear eternally, don't do that, you'll embarrass yourself, we need to know that taking risks and trying new things will set off alarms mentally. If we acknowledge this, then we don't have to take those types of warnings seriously. There have been instances when my own Alexa, if you will, that I've named Hattie, has fed me the wrong information, and I have to form another question in a more empowering way. Our minds act like detectives as well. It uses our past as evidence for our preferences. It knows you don't like peas because you threw up peas when you were a child. Our brain functions from commands, or rather beliefs, that it also is consistent with. So if you're wanting to improve, it will take time to reprogram your mind. I love how Dr. Carol Leaf said it, quote, our minds can change our brains, unquote. It will need more information downloaded before it can have a new point of reference. So be patient with yourselves. Similar to my first book launch, sometimes we have to upload a new version. When we become aware of how our brains naturally function through patterns, we can effectively work on fixing the programs that need tweaked. It is then that we can recognize what our interests and wants really are. We can tune in with our true selves when we view ourselves as our best friend. We don't talk to ourselves with disgust, just like we don't talk to our best friends with disgust. We show respect. Talking from this negative space will only throw you right out the door. Setting boundaries for self-talk is just as necessary as it is for others in our lives. We owe it to ourselves to show self-respect and love unconditionally, not conditionally. Since we're going to be with ourselves for eternity, we might as well get along. Self-acceptance is important. Low moods can alter our ability to listen and reason, but we can choose to gracefully appreciate the ups and downs to life. Having compassion for ourselves is the way it is intended to be. So show compassion, especially when you hit a low. I love the scripture found in Ether of God talking to us. If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weaknesses that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they will humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then I will make weak things become strong. We must learn to love all of ourselves, the good, the bad, the ugly. Embracing all of our flaws is necessary in rising to our highest potential. Otherwise, 
for me, I might as well stay in a farm corral next to the cow and chew my negative cud there. Because when we get stuck in that dirty regurgitating state, progress and improvement is limited. You can't hate yourself better. We are all uniquely created with our own special combinations of strengths and weaknesses that we get to work personally with as co-creator with God. I love the saying, what I am is God's gift to me. What I become is my gift to God. Deciding to be our best, humbly with flaws and all, and then committing to being our best selves with the knowledge we have, no matter what, is an admirable goal. Fiction writers try to avoid creating Molly Sue characters or a perfect hero because that is not reality. We all have flaws, purposely. It keeps us humble, and for God, it's probably easier to work with. Here's some wisdom. Growth is possible even with weaknesses. Controlling our thoughts and actions are the first steps for this growth to occur. Striving to overcome the natural man is necessary to live at peak performance. In writing fiction, our characters must change somehow at the end of the book, and so it is with life. May we all change for the best by first learning to love ourselves. Self-love will lead us down the path for unlimited possibilities to be presented, such as the beauty of self-discovery. Join me in the next episode where we will discuss the T in the Steps model. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe to creativelyanddeliberately.com.